Good morning. I'm Emily Reese, and I'm pleased to have pianist John Weber on the line. Good morning, John. Good morning, Emily. I'm so glad I don't own a car. <laughs> well, you're fortunate to live in a city that doesn't require you to own one. That's true. That is true. You are correct, <laughs> Emily. How many times have you heard that in your life? A time or two, yes, but I'm, I'm also lucky. I'm lucky that uh, I have a ballad named after me. You're lucky to be you. Yes, yes. It never ends. It never does. John Weber, you're going to be uh, hanging out at Crooners quite a bit over the next week. And you've got some shows coming up New Year's Eve with Connie. And I know that you and Connie have collaborated many a time in the past. Yes? Yes. Oh, not only New Year's Eve, but uh, December 30th as well. Oh, cool. With Connie or just you on the 30th? With Connie. With we're, Connie. we're performing the 30th, 31st, and... And just added January 2nd with Connie. I'm going to be adding after I do the history of the piano or as subtitled Joplin to Jarrett. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so I, I get to play with Connie three times publicly in Minneapolis, which excites me greatly because she could do anything. She is so versatile. Yeah. She's so quick. She's so cool. Yeah. Man, I just bask in her cool. Yeah, she's great. Uh, John, tell us about this history of the piano show. Now, let's be clear. You prefer the title From Joplin to Jarrett, speaking of Scott Joplin to Keith Jarrett. Yes, that was the title that I instantaneously gave it. I was performing at a jazz fest in Melbourne, Australia in 1999. Hmm. And someone said, could you do a story about the history of jazz piano? I said, Sure. Uh, how long? They said, maybe hour 15. Oh, okay. What are you going to call it? Uh, I'm going to call it Joplin and Jarrett. And boom, great decisions are made just like that, sometimes <laughs> instantaneously. So start with Scott Joplin, and I very quickly, over the course of maybe an hour and 15 minutes or so, evolve forward mm-hmm. into who evolved into whom. In other words, yes, we go through Jelly Roll Morton, James B. Johnson, Fats Waller, Earl Hines, Teddy Wilson, Art Tatum, Bud Powell, Bill Evans, Thelonious Monk, so on and so forth, all the way up to Keith Jarrett. Hmm. And why do we stop there? Well, I don't know. I mean, because I think it takes a few years for people to realize that someone has paved the way for everybody else. And it's a little bit early. Yeah, to go beyond that, because we don't know who's influenced everybody yet. It'll take another decade or two. Then yeah. I'll revise the show, I suppose. <laughs> I, I suppose so. Uh, now, you you literally came up with the show kind of on the spot in Australia. I did. In fact, I'm kind of famous for doing that, and I'm famous in a David Hasselhoff sort of way. <laughs> I did. I remember just in August. I was in Australia for a month. The entire month I was the artist residence at Bird's Basement, which is the Birdland equivalent in Australia. Nice. They, they have some odd copyright rule, a trademark rule about using names, which is why they have a place called Hungry Jack's, which features the Whopper and all those other things <laughs> you normally find at Burger King. They have a place called Taco Bill's. I mean, you'll, you'll see. <laughs> so anyway, Bird, at Bird's Basement, I came up with 23 without a script and without a set list did 23 spontaneous shows. And apparently oh. the owner liked it well enough. He said, can you stay another two weeks? Nice. <laughs> After my first night. So <laughs> I guess it's a concept that I'm going to stick with. That's what jazz is, though, isn't it? It's just kind of you, you roll with it and yeah. you, you spontaneously generate something. 
And that's how this show came about, and I've been doing it ever since. And it, it changes a little bit from year to year when I learn a new fact here and there. <laughs> Yes. Now, John, it's interesting because yesterday I interviewed the esteemed Corky Siegel and Corky was talking about how he has to have a set list. He must have a set list to free himself from concern of what tune is coming next. And it sounds like, you know, you kind of thrive on that uncertainty. Well, I love Corky Siegel, for starters. Corky and I have been playing together since, interestingly enough, 1999, the second time we've invoked that Prince-like year. Yeah. 1999, we played together in India. We played together, oh, God, all kinds of places, yeah. Corky and I. Uh, he's a wonderful, wonderful man. Yeah. But uh, Corky, you know, it, he and I have had this discussion, believe it or not. At one point or another, we talk about Picasso versus Cezanne. <laughs> Go on. In other words, Picasso, he would, he had something like 11,000 works of art. He would take a canvas, scribble, scribble, scribble. Okay, it's done. Scribble, scribble, scribble. It's, okay, it's done. Yeah. Done, done. And Cezanne, you know, 14 years later, no, nah, that's not it either. Uh, let me start over. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you can approach, and you can be a little bit of both, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, for the for the most part, I like to spontaneously generate something, and I'm comfortable in either either setting. Sure. It's, it's all fun. It's all connected. And gee whiz, Corky Siegel, you guys are so lucky to have Corky Siegel play. He is so much yeah. fun. Yeah. I've gotten more words of wisdom from that man. And uh, maybe anybody except for uh, my father. (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah, he's fantastic. And of course, he'll be at Crooners this weekend, maybe even tonight. I can't quite recall. But uh, but John, let's, of course, get back to you. I I love this that you do this history of the piano because it, it helps to know. It's nice to know where things came from and who started what and and where things are. So uh, talk to us a little bit more about how you kind of chose the path uh, starting with Scott Joplin and I assume rag rag music, yes. Yes. Yeah. I was interested in ragtime. I think I got the bug for ragtime about the same time most people in America did the second time around. The first time it happened in about the turn of the 20th century and none of us were around then. But yeah. in the early 70s, as you recall, that movie came out, uh, The Sting, and yeah. people say, play The Sting, and they think that you know, Marvin Hamlish wrote all this music, but when in fact, Interestingly enough, the, the movie is depicting 1936, but it was using music from the early 1900s, from a generation mm. earlier. Yeah. But it worked. Yeah. Somehow it worked. And I thought, well, why did that work? And I, I asked myself, and I thought, well, what did ragtime evolve into? What happened? And, and the field began to change a little bit, and ragtime became old-fashioned as the new thing, as the blues came out. And blues yeah. weren't even slow or sad in those days. Blues were pretty fast. It was more about a feel. I described this. I described how the feel changed. And I described how various players influenced, single-handedly influenced uh, everything that followed. Yeah. And, the, and some of them weren't even piano players, like Louis Armstrong it started improvising, going straying from the ink, which is something that Jelly Roll Morton did. But Louis Armstrong kind of carried that about 80 light years further <laughs> out on the jazz o meter on the improv o meter <laughs> and any case this is a fun show and uh it, it, I, i'll be i'll be asking questions and, and i'm always astonished at how smart the audiences are they yeah. know this stuff already they, yeah. they've, they've absorbed it somehow all this information even though it's claimed oh jazz only appeals to a really small percentage of the people 
uh, you'd be surprised how many people are jazz fans and they don't even know it. Yeah, because this this stuff is part of our our collective musical consciousness. Yes, and we just we just we live, breathe, eat it. Every t- the conversation we're having right now is jazz. We're just we're making it up. We have building blocks. We have vocabulary that we use with each other, and it's never quite the same way twice, which That's... is what makes it exciting, which makes it endlessly uh, interesting for me and for the audience. For sure. Well, John Weber, I am so glad you're coming to do this. Of course, uh, let's remind folks that you're playing with Connie Evingson on Monday night. It looks like two shows Monday night. I'm just trying to follow along here. Two shows Tuesday night, and you say you added a show on the first? On the second. On the second with Connie. What am I going to do with myself for 24 hours? Well, I mean, there's all kinds of things to do here in our great fair Twin Cities, but yes, you've also, there are. <laughs> you've also got did it, your. Did it snow? Uh, no, it might tomorrow a little, but. Uh, oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah, but really, no, it should be kind of, kind of okay for for you, hopefully. So Good bike riding. Yeah, beautiful day for a bike ride, always, in the Twin Cities. Yep. John Weber, thank you so much for calling in. We'll uh, uh, look forward to your shows coming up at Crooners, the history of the piano uh, or from Joplin to Jarrett. John, thanks so much for calling in today. Emily, I'm, I'm thrilled to talk to you. Thanks again.